Welcome to the South African Birth Stories podcast. I'm Julia and I will be your host for today's episode. Each week, either Megan or I will be bringing you mothers telling their stories of childbirth. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in again. In this week's episode, I chat to Sam. She lives in the Kalahari with her husband and two boys. Sam has type 1 diabetes, so her journey through pregnancy and birth looked quite a bit different to the textbook version. This episode is quite emotional as Sam had a traumatic birth and talks about her miscarriage as well. So if you aren't in the right space to listen to this kind of story now, maybe give it a skip and listen another time. However, I do encourage you to listen at some point as this is a really amazing and raw birth story that I think should definitely be heard. I do apologize for the audio quality of this episode. I was experiencing some difficulties from my side and like I said, Sam lives out in the bush so um, the connection wasn't great at times but otherwise it's a really great, good one so I hope you enjoy. Well, hi Sam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Great, I'm glad you're here. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live and who's in your family? Um, yeah, sure. So I'm Sam. Um, my fiancé is Andrew and we have two gorgeous little boys. Um, we live up in the Kalahari on a really amazing game reserve um, and we're, we manage the lodge there. Um, and yeah, so our oldest boy is two and a half, that's Oliver, and then this is Henry, who is almost six, who's six months old. That's lovely. It's like you're living the dream. I would love to live in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so it's, it's quite a lot of work, but it's yeah, the most wonderful dream ever. I can imagine it's not easy. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, well, do you want to just take us through your first and did you plan for the pregnancy? How did that baby come about? So um, when I was about 20 or 22, somewhere around there, and I was told that I would never be able to have kids. Um, so I kind of, it took, I didn't realize how badly I wanted kids until they told me that I couldn't have any. Um, so I kind of, I mean, it was what six years later um that i fell pregnant with ollie um and it was it was such mixed emotions because ollie wasn't planned um oh, wow. andrew and i had only been together for five months at that point <laughs> and um so it was very kind of like all right like <laughs> this just happened but oh my word like the impossible has just happened. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was very mixed emotions, but um, overwhelming joy. Mm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's crazy how so many women get told that they won't be able to have kids, and then actually it happens out of the blue, and you're not expecting it. And if you get told you're not, yeah, you're not going to be able to have kids, then obviously you don't worry about contraception because you just trust the doctor, and you think, okay, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how did you actually find out that you were pregnant did you get symptoms or could you tell like something was different 
<laughs> so we were on, I mean, so like our lifestyles are, we live up in the bush and we were on um, a little romantic road trip getaway, um, going to various different game reserves. And we went to go and visit some of our friends and we were laughing and joking and having a couple drinks saying, ha ha ha, Sam's boobs are sore, Sam's pregnant, ha 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 ha. <laughs> and then I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was kind of like having a drink going, there's like, look, it's impossible. So I'm not even concerned. And then like a few days later, I did a pregnancy test. Um, and that was actually, that was before I was even due for my next period. Um, so my, like that was, yeah, almost a week before my period was due. Um, so I took a pregnancy test, then I did another one and it was negative. So I went to the doctor and it was positive. Oh my word. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So yeah, just backtracking a bit. What was the reason the doctor said you won't be able to fall pregnant? Why did he tell you that? Um, so I've got polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. Um, and so between that and I'm a type one diabetic, um, they, it was actually, it was the polycystic, um, was the main cause that she said, um, it's, it's very unlikely. Um, and there was something else, but I can't quite remember what it was, but she kind of, from the way I, understood what she was saying um is that kind of there are just too many factors that will make it not possible okay <laughs> so, anyway. um, yeah sure okay so yeah that was a big surprise then so so yeah through the doctor and then what was your what were the, the next steps from there did you did you start getting symptoms and because you because you were type one our type one um what did the doctor say about that and how were things going to look? So um, instantly my sugars went completely haywire. Okay. Um, I'd been in, um, like I had like full control of my sugars at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and then just suddenly my sugars went off. So that was also one of the first signs um, that I was pregnant is that my sugars weren't behaving normally. Mm. Um, and then when I went to the diabetic nurse, um, cause I go and see, I go and see a nurse quite often. Um, just to, I mean, she helps me keep control. Um, which is, it's really helpful having someone like that around. Mm. Um, so yeah, I went to her and she said, look, this is going to be hard, but it's possible. Um, so don't like, don't think oh this is impossible like um and one of the things she also said is like pretend you have no idea what you're doing with your sugars like <laughs> because your sugars are going to be a different different creature at the moment yeah um so yeah i kind of i started off um on a i mean when i'm not pregnant i take a very low dose of of insulin um, and I inject four times a day. Uh, well, between two and four times a day, depending on how much and um, how many carbs I'm eating. Um, and yeah, I mean, by the end of both of my pregnancies, I was on uh, 
I was on probably a hundred percent. No. Okay. So if I normally take, I'll normally take 10 units of, of short acting insulin by the end of my pregnancies, I was taking 150 units of insulin a day, um, just of short acting insulin. Um, so it was a massive, massive increase. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a very, very hectic and actually very scary thing. Yes, no, that is, that is scary. Um, were you feeling it? Were you feeling quite unwell during the pregnancy? Um, so, I've also <laughs> only recently been diagnosed with um, gallstones. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, with Ollie... I lost, so the, which is when you're supposed to get morning sickness. Mm. Um, I didn't get any, but I was very tired. Mm. But literally from that 12-week mark until the day that Ollie was born, I vomited. No shame. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> so just a second trimester alone, I lost 12 kilograms. Wow. Wow. Sure. Yeah. That's hard. Look, I looked amazing. <laughs> My little bum stuck out. <laughs> but um, I didn't feel good. No. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's kind of hectic. Um, yeah. sure. All right. So when the doc, so had you ever thought about how you were going to birth the babies? Did the doctors tell you straight away that you'll probably have to have a cesarean? Um, how did that all look? Yeah, so I was I was actually really desperate to have a natural birth. Mm. Um, I don't know, like, I, I guess there is, yeah, I'd always just desperately wanted natural birth. Um, from the beginning, my gynae was really good in prepping me and saying, look, you're not having a normal pregnancy. Um, I doubt that you're going to be able to have natural birth. Um and I said to him, look, like, it's my dream, but at the same time, like, it's not about me. So um, please know that that's what I want, but I need, like, your job is to look after my baby. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it was at about, at my 24-week scan um, that he told me that, um everything like and everything was going well and um, he wasn't overweight which is generally what happens with with diabetic babies mm-hmm. um and yeah he was developing well in everything but he said um from my body i mean i just lost 12 kilograms in three months and grown <laughs> grown a huge <laughs> well grown a little baby inside of me mm-hmm. um but he said, like, from the state of my body, he highly doubted that I'd be able to um, be able to have natural birth. Mm-hmm. So he was going to book a Caesar for me. Um, and if it was possible, he would he would make it work. But if there was any risk to Ali, um, he was he was making the call. Okay. So I was I was really happy with that, actually. Like it gave me a lot of faith in him. Yeah. that he he respected my wishes um but it actually gave me more faith in him that his interests actually weren't about what i wanted they were about what was best yeah, yeah i thought that's right so you were going to just play it by and depending on the health of 
Ollie and you closer to the time, you would then relook at it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I know that's nice. yeah, that's nice. So yeah, because you live in the the Kalahari, um, how is the healthcare system at that side? Did you have to travel quite far to? To go to um, so at the time we were actually we were living in Mkuzi, okay. Um, which our nearest hospital was two and a half hours away. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and my gynae was actually in Pretoria, so he was like a six-hour drive away. <laughs> so what what I did um, is I phoned the hospital in Richards Bay. Um, beforehand, which was a medi clinic, I phoned them and say and said, "Look, here's the situation. My gynae's here. I'm here. You're my closest hospital. If something happens, can I come to you? What do I need to do beforehand to prepare? Um, is there anyone that I need to like? Do I need to have a consultation with a gynae there, or how does it work?" Um, and the lady that I spoke to said no at like as long as um your medical aid covers us um then just arrive if there's a problem just arrive okay um so at at 34 weeks um I went into premature labor naturally late on late in the evening okay. actually no sorry I actually started feeling contractions from about 12 o'clock um at about six o'clock in the evening i decided no i i need to i need to do something um so also so that stretch of highway is one of the most dangerous roads in south africa um and i'm telling you that because that road plays quite a vital part (laughs) in in the story um so yeah, at the time I was assistant lodge manager. Um, actually, no, no, sorry, I was marketing manager. Okay. Um, and Andrew was out on a game drive, <laughs> and so the assistant lodge manager at the time raced me down to Richards Bay Hospital. <laughs> wow. Um. So we we get there, and now I've been to. Um. We tried to go to our closest doctor. Um. But he just said, like, go straight to hospital. Like, don't don't pass again. Just go straight there. Okay. Um, so we get there, and it's now like, I think it was like eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, and they said to us, "Sorry, we can't take you." And like their attitude was absolutely disgusting. Quite frankly, <laughs> like, um. They just said, if, you, if you're if you not one of our Guyanese patients, um, they won't take you. So, like, go somewhere else. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I was 34 weeks pregnant, which means, like, I, and I knew, I knew that Ollie was in trouble. Like, I really, um, you just know these things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I knew that he was in trouble. And I'm saying to them, please help me. And I'd done everything that I'd been told to do to prepare to go there in case of an emergency. Mm. And now they're saying to me, like, 
no <laughs> like um not as many words but pretty much f off um like we're not interested so i actually at that point i was hysterical um and it's kind of like it's the big yeah so i was in i was in a lot of pain and i'm going my baby needs help and you're turning me away um and i was yeah it's kind of like you never think that you'll ever let like you'll ever behave like that and you'll ever let anyone see you in that state but like yeah so then it was someone like it wasn't even one of the nurses i think it was like one of the janitorial staff or something like that they said go to Mpangeni hospital um they might be able to help you okay. <laughs> um because these nurses weren't so we then drove to Mpangeni which was another like 40 50 minutes away um and went straight to the A&E and said like help baby on the way and they said they were much kinder um, but essentially they said the same thing. They said, we're so, so, so sorry. Um, the only thing you can do is go to the public hospital. Um, if you're not on our Guyanese books, they won't take wow. you. That's so scary. Um, so I then, <laughs> and I just, I said to them, like, please just, just look at me, just like, have a look and yeah. tell me, like, just tell me everything's okay and I'll be okay. <laughs> um, so I then went to the the public hospital and there they were incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, everyone was really, really nice to me. Um, you could tell it was like, whereas in all the public hospitals, you I mean, in the private hospitals, you've got really nice mattresses. Like they make sure that you're beyond comfortable, as comfortable as you can be when you're that pregnant. <laughs> Um, and they use like the tiniest needles so that it doesn't hurt. And, and in, in the hospital, you're on like a really thin plastic mattress that you stick to the whole time and it's hot and sweaty and, um, yeah, they use kind of, I want to say horse syringes, I mean, horse needles, like, um, so everyone was really nice, but it was like, yeah very difficult yeah as well and i i mean so they they stabilized me um and also like they kept checking to see how dilated i was um and like not that you really have any sense of privacy at that stage um but it kept being like a new nurse would come along, put a glove on and check how dilated I was. Really? Um, In very short. Um, so it's like. Intervals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And at this and, point, um, I saw your fiance and where was your partner? Had you contacted him? Was he on his way? Were you not <laughs> so he was actually partner? still out on a game drive. Oh, <laughs> um, or he had got. Mm, so he had actually, he got back um, from his game drive, but he was still with the guests and we didn't want to tell him kind of how bad it was because we didn't want him 
I don't know, like, I guess I was also trying to protect him to an extent. Mm. Um, and so the assistant lodge manager, she's also actually, she's, she's still one of my best friends. Um, so she was there with me and she was holding my hand and, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think I could have done it without her. Um, I don't think she sees it that way. I think she just sees it as she was being like a good friend, but like, I honestly couldn't have done it without someone that I love by my side. Mm. Um, and yeah, I also, I remember sitting there and there was a doctor that looked he looked terrible and he was sitting on the counter. Um, and so I kind of called him and I was like, are you okay? Like, you don't look okay. <laughs> um, and he just said, this is my 37th, the 37th hour of my shift. Wow. He'd been on shift for 37 hours. And I'm going like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, oh. Um, and he said, um, don't worry, your baby's coming tonight. <laughs> like, um, and if, if your baby doesn't come tonight, he'll be here tomorrow or the next day, but he'll be out in a few days time. Um, and we'll just keep you here until then. Um, and I was in, so I was in a public ward and there were 12 other beds there with me. Oh, sorry. I think there were 11 other beds with me. Um, but miraculously, I was the only person there. Wow. Um, which is, yeah. Um, so then at about one in the morning, Andrew arrived. Um, so Andrew arrived and Annie um, went back um, went back to the reserve. So you had, you had been laboring um, that, that whole time, but, but under, they hmm. said that you were stable, but you were still laboring. How many centimeters dilated were you? Did they tell you? I, I think I got to three or four centimeters. Okay. Sure. So it was quite a few hours that you were just there um, laboring until, sure. Wow. That's crazy. Hectic. Yeah. Um, so then at about, oh yes. So then they wouldn't let Andrew come and see me. Okay. Um, the security said this is a public ward, which means that there might, that there are other women there. Oh. And so no men are allowed. Um, but then <laughs> also this is where the diabetes steps in. Um, now I hadn't eaten since like much earlier in the day. Um, and they came around to feed me and they offered me a slice of plain white bread and a cup of sugary coffee. I know. And I'm going like, I haven't been able to touch either of those things for like months. <laughs> um, and now you're like, this is the only food you're offering me. Um, so Andrew went out looking for food for me. <laughs> and the only place he could find any food was McDonald's. <laughs> um, and then they wouldn't let him bring the food into me. So there I am, like, in the state that I was in, 
And I had to get up out of bed to go through to the waiting room to go and sit in the dark because the lights weren't working. Mm-hmm. Sit in the dark and eat McDonald's hamburger patties. <laughs> like, it was crazy um, surreal. Like, yeah. So then my, con- my contractions actually started lightening up. Okay. Um, after that, um, and at about three in the morning, so I knew that, like, and it's it's actually it's quite hard to say, but I knew that Ollie wouldn't make it if he was born then. Mm. I just I I just knew. It's just um, yeah. 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 Um, so I figured I would be okay, but he wouldn't. Um, so we phoned my gynae and now I'd, I'd spoken to my gynae a few times, um, over this period. Um, but he was, well, <laughs> I tried to speak to my gynae. He was away on holiday because naturally this is over Christmas time. Yeah. <laughs> naturally. Like, um, <laughs> So he was away on leave. Um, so I was speaking to his stand-in. Um, and yeah, so he then said, um, he was like, okay, well, if you think it's best, um, and if they, if you're not like imminently going to give birth um, and you think you can make it up to me, then do. So... <laughs> At three in the morning, um, I chatted to one of the doctors and he said, okay, you're not like, you're not having contractions anymore. Um, it's not that you're like, I mean, I'm not dilating any further than I was. Um, and so he said, if you feel that you'll be better looked after there and that's who your gynae is, then go. (laughs) Um, and I don't know. And then he disappeared. And then the nurses were saying to me, like, what? No, you're not going anywhere. Like, you're about to have your baby. Like, what do you think you're doing? And, um, I just said to them, like, I I have to go. So I then had to sign a piece of paper saying that if something happened to either of us after checking out that I had... (laughs) essentially like I had chosen to not put our lives in the best interests. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, that was also quite difficult to signing a piece of paper saying like, if we die, it's on me. <laughs> um, and then, so we drove this now half past three in the morning, we drove up to Mkuzi packed a bag and drove the six hours up to Pretoria. <laughs> so frightening and the longest drive ever. So yeah, how did it go? Oh my word, how are you feeling? Um, actually, incredibly, it, it went well. I think I had one contraction along the whole road. Um, and by the time we got there, I was feeling actually like, so much calmer um and like 
okay, we're five minutes from a hospital if we need to be there. We know it's an we know it's a good hospital. My gynae's there. They're ready and waiting for me. Um, so now I'm safe. So then I was like, okay, well then I'm actually feeling much better. <laughs> so um, I can't remember if it was Andrew's mom. I think it was his mom um, who said, okay, but you still need to go in just to, just to have a, just let, let your gynae have a quick look. Mm. Um, so I went, I went through um, to the hospital, which is, it's five minutes from Andrew's parents' house. Um, so yeah, we went, we went there um, and they said, uh, look, we're actually not happy about what's going on. Um, we need you to stay in a hospital. Um, so don't like, <laughs> well done for coming in because you're staying here. <laughs> Um, so they gave me, they gave me steroid injections um, to help mature um, Ollie's lungs, and then they also gave me, um, uh, I've just Venti's. So Venti's, they gave me Venti's tablets to stop the labour. Okay. Um, and I had a really bad reaction to the to the Venti's. And like my heart was like racing through the roof. Um, and they'd, they'd given me a sedative, but my heart was still like, yeah, going a hundred miles an hour. Um, and I'm lying there going, do I tell someone? Don't I tell someone? <laughs> so they then, they sedated me. Um, <laughs> um, they were like, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, the next two weeks were pretty much a living hell. Um, so you stayed in the hospital. Uh, yeah, my body reacted being diabetic. So I was in hospital for the next two weeks. Um, my sugars were all over the place and completely uncontrollable. Um, as in, so between four and eight is normal. My sugars went up to 20, um, which is potentially lethal for any fetus. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was really scary. Um, and there were a couple moments where, yeah, just absolutely everything was just going wrong. Um, Andrew was still having to work because being over Christmas time, they couldn't find a relief guide um, to take his position. Um, and the other guide was on holiday. Um, <laughs> I won't say any more than that. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was really, really difficult. Andrew was then, I think Andrew drove that road I think it was eight times in the space of two weeks. Sure. Um, there and back. Like six hours along a road that's notorious. I mean, in the space of three months, I saw, I think, six dead bodies mm. next to the road. Fresh car accidents. So, like, Andrew's doing this road. 
I know he's exhausted because he's literally, he's guiding for, and guiding already, like it, it takes a lot of your energy mm. and it's early, early mornings and like super late nights. And so he's doing that. He's finishing his shift, climbing in his car and driving to me. Um, That's so frightening. And like I'm phoning him um, or the nurse, the nurse phoned him and said like, come now <laughs> like now it's happening um and yeah um i remember being on the phone to him and he was halfway halfway to me and saying like he's coming now and andrew saying i don't know what to do i've just got a phone call i have to go back to work there's no one there's no one to fill in for me um and we were both just like in absolute tears um and he turned around this was actually on christmas day i think he turned around and started driving back and then um one of his best friends who works at another lodge on the same reserve um phoned and said look i've managed to hand my guests over to someone else um i'll cover for you so like um it was incredible the community of people around us that pulled together to make it possible for him to be there mm. um yeah and so that was <laughs> i want to say um my stress about him was almost as like almost as hard as my stress about the situation I was in um, and it was damn near impossible to do that without him next to me <laughs> wow. um, but yeah they they kept us both alive <laughs> um, and literally literally it was almost every single day that the gynae said to me he was like okay I'm taking the baby out today and then he'd be like maybe we'll give it a, let's give it another hour then I'll make the call and literally it was it actually it was like hour by hour that we got through it wasn't like day by day <laughs> um so yeah and then they um they let me out of hospital for one day once my sugars were stable and um and all of that, they let me out of hospital for one day. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, but your baby's coming tomorrow. Sure. Um, so I spent one blissful day in bed at Andrew's parents' house. Um, and then, yeah, the next morning, um, went in and had Ollie. <laughs> wow. So, okay, so they, they booked you in um, and you... So you knew you were going in that next morning to have him. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a surprise. They didn't um, rush you in or anything like that. They booked you and you knew that it was coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there were, there were also, there were a whole bunch of other factors at play. Um, my medical aid only kicked in for that hospital as of the 1st of January. Okay. So we were really nervous that um that there would be 
a problem with the medical aid. I'd phoned them, I'd cleared everything. I had it written in emails um, that, and I'd actually, I think one of the things that also helped is I had the letter of authorization for Ollie's cesarean, which was booked two weeks before he was due. It was booked on the, uh, it was booked, I think on the 14th of January at that hospital. But um, with Discovery, you can only update as of the 1st of January. You can't update. So I asked to, up, I mean, to upgrade my program in, in June. Um, I asked to update my program. Um, and they said, no, only as of the 1st of January. <laughs> so um, Andrew's parents were absolutely incredible. And they said, well, if there's a deposit that we have to pay before then, like actually, like just, just don't worry about it. Um, and knowing the kind of money that they were asking for, like, I can't tell you how incredible it felt <laughs> to have them say like, if you need it, we've got you. Yeah. Like there's, I can never repay that actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, just that, that peace of mind that that gave me, like amongst all the turmoil, they're going like, don't worry about this. Um, so yeah, there was an issue with that. And then for some reason, um, my gynae was also adamant that he wanted Ollie to be born, um, in the new year. Um, so obviously the longer he stayed in the better, but at the same time, um, like he was talking about, Oh, he'll, it'll suit him. It'll be much better for him at school. And I'm like, I don't care that about school. Pressing time. Thanks. I don't care about school. No. Exactly. Um, so anyway, we knew he was coming on the, on the 1st of January. Um, Andrew had booked his, had booked a couple days off then. Um, the other guy was back at work. So, yeah, um, Andrew, Andrew was there. <laughs> he arrived like the night before. Um, I think he arrived the night before. And yeah, I went in um, for the, for the C-section. Um, How did you feel going because in? By that were you relieved at that point that it was happening? Um, or were you still quite worried about what was going to happen next? Um, yeah, how were you feeling going in? Um, kind of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was really relieved that he would be safe now. If he could just make it through this, he'd be safe. Um, I don't know why I felt he was safer out than in. Um, I guess because I knew that my body was in such a state. Um, yeah, it was, um, I was really scared and I was really grateful <laughs> and I was like amazed that we'd actually made it to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, if you'd asked me at the beginning, if like, I'll be dead honest. If you asked me before I knew that I was pregnant, how hard that road would be, I would have said, I don't want babies. 
um, if I knew how difficult that pregnancy would be, I would have said no. Um, I can't do this. Like, it's it's too scary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we kind of Andrew and I, um, Andrew wheeled me in. Um, my mom had flown out from there. Um, she wasn't there for like the two weeks before beforehand but she she was there when he was born um so yeah we andrew and i went into surgery um i've never reacted well to anesthetic um and i reacted particularly badly to the the spinal tap um i was lying there in and out of consciousness um vomiting but I'm lying on my back. So like Andrew's holding my head to the side. So at least vomit's coming out. Um, and um, <laughs> I, I had a really difficult moment um, where I, I don't know, you hear people talk about it, but you don't really yeah i don't know um i kind of i left i left my body and i got told that i can i can stay or i can go like i don't have to do this anymore um i'm allowed out and um i kind of like I decided that, not I decided, like without question, I was like, I have to stay for Andrew. Um, I can't, I can't leave this man without me. <laughs> and it sounds like, I don't know. Um, but that, that haunted me for a very, very long time because my I felt really guilty that I was choosing to stay for Andrew and not choosing to stay for Ollie like it sounds really silly yeah. um, and you go well, of course like here's a, a man that you love and a baby that's been growing inside of you and yes you love it and everything but I felt really guilty for choosing to stay for Andrew, not not for my baby. Um, and so I came round from from consciousness after that, and Andrew looked like I've never seen anyone look like that before. Um, and as Ollie had come out, I heard him scream. So I thought, okay, Ollie's fine whatever's going on in the room right now is because of me because clearly like I'm in and out of <laughs> I'm drifting in and out of this um and so I looked at at Andrew and I said is Ollie okay and he he nodded and 
the tension didn't go and I went unconscious again and I woke up again and the tension was still in the room and then I heard he's breathing um so Ollie had come out taken one breath and then stopped breathing and he stopped breathing for three minutes um which is a long time (laughs) um so all the like the anesthetist was worried about me but all the tension in the room was actually because ollie wasn't breathing um so like no no one was talking there was no like (laughs) um yeah you could just everyone I kind of I felt like everyone was fighting for both of our lives. Um the gynae was frantically sewing me up. Um yeah, they they'd called in more um well the pediatrician was there. I think there were two nurses um as well. Then they called in another yeah, so there was a whole team around Ali and then there was a, a team around me as well um and they'd actually told andrew that he mustn't he mustn't look he mustn't mustn't be there <laughs> um so yeah that's why andrew was holding my hand <laughs> and the second they said he's breathing um and obviously by then i was conscious as well so they kind of they're like oh, <laughs> like we, we're through yeah um so yeah, then Ollie spent the next 18 days in neonatal ICU. Um, he he couldn't breathe by himself. So he was on respirators. He had like these massive masks on on his entire face. Mm. Um, and yeah, um, the, the next period was really, really hard. Mm. Um, wow, so how um, how long after the the surgery did it take for you to to feel semi okay and come round enough so that you could actually see Ollie? Um, was it quite a while then before you actually got to see him? So so I only met him the day after he was born. Um, they wheeled me through. Um. Because he was, I mean, he was in an in an incubator. He was, yeah, fully fully masked and everything. Um, and I remember seeing him and just thinking he was perfect. Mm. He was just like oh. he was perfect. It was worth it. It was worth every second of it. Yeah. Oh, sure. um, yeah. <laughs> like yeah um and then so we still had a couple difficulties while he was in icu um they couldn't figure out why he couldn't breathe by himself um and they kind of like we had yeah the nurses everyone was incredible i've yeah (laughs) um the nurses taught me how to how to get him to latch and they also like i i wanted as much skin to skin as possible 
Um, but like, <laughs> I want to say, whenever there was a new nurse on shift, because I got to know everyone being in there for that long, I got to know everyone. Whenever there was a new nurse on shift, she'd be like, no, you have to have skin to skin. Do you know how important it is? I was like, preach it. <laughs> like, um, so that was, that was really, really incredible. Um, the support they gave me and like, it's like they taught me all kinds of things. Like, um, do you know, aqueous cream promotes, um, eczema in babies. Oh, um, and, and yet it's a baby product. So, um, and they taught me about nipple shields and like all kinds of things. But you're like, okay. Um, so yeah, um, they were, the nurses were incredible. And the amount of times that, that the nurses held me while I sobbed is like, I can't, I can't actually count how many times yeah. it was even the pediatrician like just oh. yeah um seeing seeing someone that you love that much in that state is hard yeah so what were the doctors um saying about ollie were, did, did, were they quite um positive about how he will be able to breathe on his own soon and were they happy with his progress day by day um not really not at first okay. um so he was really really sick when he was born mm. they put him on i think it was three different kinds of antibiotics that were all really hectic um and they asked me beforehand but like with each one they said look we have to give him this um he needs it yeah so can we give it to him? And I'm going like, if he needs it, give it to him. <laughs> don't, don't ask me. Um, but I realized that the reason that they were asking me some of those things is because um, like one of them is known for making babies deaf. So then they had to run all kinds of tests afterwards to make sure that he was in fact not deaf. Mm. Um, and yeah, so there were a lot of like fairly hectic yeah hectic things that happened during that period yeah. um was and, he quite big um was he was he quite a big baby um he actually wasn't okay. um he was just he was just over three kilograms oh okay um so he was actually like yeah given the fact that i'm diabetic he should have been massive yeah um well not all the time but um, they're either massive or they're tiny. Okay. Um, and if they're tiny, it's really not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, it, if they're massive, it's not great. But when they're tiny, it's big problems. Okay. So the fact that he was normal size was just like Amazing. a miracle, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then um, what happened after that? Yeah. So it was after about two weeks, they they kind of they're like you know preemies do have lung problems um they just do <laughs> like it, we don't know what it is <laughs> mm. um so then they found he had a hole in his, his heart oh wow um 
and they said but look it's actually it's such a small hole like it can't be the cause of him not being able to breathe because it wasn't actually by that stage he was just on oxygen so he just had a i can't remember what it's called yeah um but just a tube yeah and he didn't have the whole the whole setup um so yeah he then oh dear um (laughs) it was actually it was really traumatic being in icu every day um there was i mean there was there was a baby born like i mean there were babies that were 500 grams in there they were um like there were two babies that died while i was there there was um there was a baby that was born so one of the babies that died um it was born without proper brain functionality or something um but they just like you could see that the nurses cared deeply about everyone it wasn't like okay like this little is gonna die so don't get attached like even though they knew what was coming like they still got attached and like it 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 was incredible being there Mm. but it was also quite traumatic um and yeah so i think it was the day so i realized why the gynae was so stressed um is because the day before i came in um with ollie they'd lost a a baby to with the diabetic mom um literally the day before okay um and then there was i think i think it was like the day before ollie checked out or something there was another diabetic um, mom who lost her baby at eight months um so it was it was a scary time. Hectic. Yeah. yeah, that's so frightening. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. So the day you you got discharged was was that how was that day? Was it a relief? Were you still nervous? Were they happy with how he, he was doing and how you were doing? Um yeah, how did it look? Um yeah so i was doing fantastically well oh, great. <laughs> um, like i was in like rude health okay. um breastfeeding is incredible for when you're um when you're diabetic oh wow it's like doing a whole heap of exercise um okay. so i went from needing like crazy amounts of insulin to zero insulin and actually okay. having to eat sugar to keep to to like pick my sugars up because they kept dropping um so yeah um and then and i also i think i lost i lost 20 i think it was 23 kilograms in the first like month so that's obviously including ollie's weight so so all in it was like 23 kilograms it was a lot yeah um and so yeah i was doing fantastically well um bringing ollie home um so we took him back to andrew's parents house first 
Um, and it was just incredible, like having this tiny little baby all to myself. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Mm. Um, the first night he did not sleep well at all. And I thought it was a bit odd because the nurses said that he actually was a very good sleeper. So at about one in the morning, I realized it was because in the hospital, it's always noisy. Like there's no oh, yeah. quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I turned the radio on and Ollie slept incredibly. Oh, wow. So he needs background noise all the time. <laughs> yeah. He, so he needed he needed the noise to sleep. Oh shame. Um, but yeah, so he was he was still he was on a three hour feeding schedule, um, so I'd have to wake him up every three hours. So it wasn't, and it's not like okay, so you can feed him and then sleep for three hours. It was like I had to wake him up, change his nappy, feed him, yeah, and like by the time I'd finished feeding him, it's like an hour down the line. Yeah. So <laughs> I then so you kind of crawl back into bed. Exhausted, to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> like, and um, but he gained... Breastfeeding him then. Um, uh, so I was still... They asked me actually specifically to still keep feeding him some bottles. Okay. Um, so I was doing bottle breast, bottle breast, bottle breast. Um, but after actually quite a short period of time, I switched across to like mostly breastfeeding. Okay. Um, I kept a bottle at night so that Andrew could help me, yeah. um, at, at night sometimes. Um, but I was still having to get up to express cause yeah. he was exclusive, was on exclusively breast milk. Okay um so yeah that was that that went well okay. yeah so then we went back to Mkuzi so my mom was my mom was there for that she arrived just before um before well while Ollie was in ICU that's when she arrived um so then she came back to Mkuzi with us um and stayed and helped there because Andrew was was working um, so she kind of helped, yeah, um, helped me and like, it was actually, it was so incredible for our relationship, um, mm. because there's no one else that I could have let help me as much as she helped me. Mm. Um, and I, I needed the help, but like, it's not the kind of help that you can ask for. Yeah. Um, it's I don't know it's like it and I think well I don't think I know it was incredible for her to be part of that as well yeah and for yeah her to be part of her grandson's early early days and the bond between them as well Definitely. so yeah um yeah. and since then we haven't had any problems with Ali health-wise he's been perfect oh, <laughs> um the only thing we need to be aware about with the hole in his heart is obviously at the moment COVID joys. Yes. <laughs> um, and they said if he's, if he needs to go under anesthetic, 
um we just need to warn them okay but otherwise she said there will be no problems oh that's um, fantastic so he's a healthy normal little so boy. yeah that's really exactly great. yeah <laughs> that's great yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so after ollie was born i'd gone from going i want two boys because we want i mean we want them to grow up in the bush we want them to live the lifestyle that that we love so much mm. um so we wanted we knew that we wanted two boys okay um but after ollie was born and all of that trauma i was like i'm sorry like one and done all the way yeah <laughs> um and it was only about six months later um that i actually went okay we can do this again um and literally like i think when ali was eight months old i fell pregnant again <laughs> yeah yeah no so it was like without trying um i the only thing i did is i stopped taking my contraceptive okay. um but also with contraceptives and insulin um they're not nearly as effective so it's like yeah well. um so yeah anyway um i felt pregnant again and um i knew it was a little girl um and then but like it was i want to say too early to, to tell but i just i knew it was a girl Mm-hmm. um and um yeah then when i was about 10 weeks pregnant i got malaria oh. um and i lost her wow so um yeah i i guess i was quite silly about it as well because um i started getting the headaches and the temperatures and went oh i'm sure it's just because i'm pregnant yeah um and then um actually my sister said to me joe said to me she was like um are you sure that you don't have malaria i mean that's a low low risk malaria area that you're in because mm. sorry by now we'd actually we'd moved to Kamatiport, so we'd moved to southern kruger <laughs> so um i said to her i was like look we've been living in a low risk malaria area for years now like and we've never got it so this is also low risk like yeah you know yeah. <laughs> um anyway by like the fifth day of these headaches and everything and i've got um i don't really know how to say it i've got a really strong work ethic mm-hmm. and i remember lying there with my head on my desk going i can't do this i carry on yeah um, <laughs> okay. i thought okay i'm really sick i need to go to the doctor um so i went to the doctor and um he sent me straight for blood tests and straight to icu wow Um, shame yeah so um yeah i spent the next the next five days um in icu with them not giving me like the treatment that they want to give um because if um because the treatment is very harmful for um for the fetus yeah so um they warned me that um 
there wasn't a good chance of her surviving. Um, yeah, anyway, I lost, I lost her. Um, and it was actually like, it was quite hard because people tell you like, oh, you're 10 weeks pregnant. Like, um, like, yeah, you know, pretty much like, well, you, were you even pregnant? Like, yeah. yes, I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, and yes, I was only 10 weeks pregnant, but she was mine. Like, yeah. actually, like, it's really, it's really good to talk about these things uh, from a, a healing perspective. Thank you so much for listening to Sam's episode. It really was an incredible one. This episode ended quite abruptly. That is because we are going to be splitting Sam's story into two. So the first, this first story is for Ollie and then we will record again for Henry's birth at another stage. So definitely stay tuned to hear Sam's next birth story. Um, which she says she really felt like it was a healing birth for her in many ways. So, yes, stay tuned. But other than that, thank you for listening. And I really encourage you to go onto our website and submit your birth story if that's something that you would like to do. Um, So, yeah, our website is www.southafricanbirthstories.co.za and you'll find all the information there. Thank you. Bye.